Hey everybody, Lock welcome to Jargon and Real Live. <laughs> a viral marketing show with serious tips and a lot of fun. We are back. We took about three and a half months off. Well, it wasn't vacation for me. <laughs> I'll tell you about that in a second. Let me introduce myself. Uh, welcome, everybody. Um, I'm Kathy Klotzkes, founder of Keeping It Human, and I am coming to you live, nestled in the heart of Silicon Valley here in San Jose on a gorgeous October day, and I hope it's beautiful wherever you are. This show normally airs on Thursdays at 3.30 Pacific. Uh, we help businesses and executives and their teams humanize what they do by telling their most important stories. And it starts in marketing, but it goes internally as well. And in fact, it starts internally, but a, but a lot of the work that I end up doing with companies starts starts usually with marketing and then works its way internally. Because what you tell yourself internally, your stories there matter. That's what seeps to the outside world. So this podcast is all about making marketing, storytelling, more human, fun, and effective. All right, everybody, let me tell you what I've been up to. Um, we're back in business. So uh, in three and a half months of hiatus from doing the podcast, which I love, love, love and have missed, uh, I started a couple different things. Um, I'm working on a book. I have a book on storytelling that I am uh, writing and researching. I started a story DNA video series and where we interview practitioners of storytelling. We interview people on the outside, people who are storytelling experts. We interview uh, internal company experts, so CMOs and people who help shape that story internally. And, of course, a lot of the best storytellers in any company aren't necessarily in the C-suite. We know that. That's important. So that's the video uh, series, Story DNA. You can look that up online. I've got a link on the keepingithuman.com website. The other thing in addition to that in a book is, uh, as if as if that's not enough, is the Improv and Innovation Cafe. I started a series to really blend innovation and storytelling and a lot of the things that we talk about on this podcast with my background in improvisation. And we we talk a little bit about that uh, on this Blog Talk Radio podcast, but the Improv and Innovation series is really about how do we talk to practitioners of improv and how do we... How do we make communication and speaking and presenting and storytelling and all the things that are really important for content? How do we bring that and make it better using improv? So the focus of the show really isn't improvisation as much as it is how do we make communication better? Oh, and by the way, we just happen to be using in tools from improvisation, which makes my heart very happy. So <laughs> that's what I've been up to. I hope you had a fantastic summer and I can't believe here we are back in the fall. So with that, today I want to talk about something that I, I've blogged about, I've written about, I've I've talked about, you've heard me talk about it on the podcast. Um, and it's something that um, I think is just so important. It, and it, it really is the future of business storytelling, which is the focus of my book that I'm working on with Brian Carter. And I think it's that mu that important that it needs a, wh a whole book. It can't just be a couple of blog posts. And one of the pieces that I wrote um, pretty recently was on, on predictions, predictions for where is storytelling going? Where is is what's happening in the world of business storytelling and and how do we how do we make sense of it? So, out of that blog post, I've I've um leveraged that content and repurposed it a couple different places. And I wanted to dedicate a podcast to it. So this is that podcast. 
this is what we're doing today. So um, it'll be weird. I'll be interviewing myself. <laughs> um, so I really think if we if we step back and and look at, I've got kind of six predictions that I that I think are really important, and 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 many of them have already started to happen. But I think it's going to be taken to a whole other level um, in the in the next few years because it has to. That's where business storytelling needs to go. And I think if we look at just sort of what's a really easy way to encapsulate the big changes, I'd say this. I'd say it's really about influence, not control. It's about empowering others to to tell the story. That's what I think is really the thing that connects all of these predictions. So, So here's my first kind of prediction for the future of business storytelling. And um, I I personally have, uh, believe this, and I believe this in my core for a long time, and that is that most business storytelling today is storytelling light. It's very superficial. It just scratches the surface. We need to go deeper. As practitioners, as storytellers, as marketers, you name it, we all need to go deeper. Companies need to go deeper. Um, and it's not just a marketing issue either. I think most organizational storytelling is very light. And it, it needs to uh, be real. It needs to get vulnerable. It needs to drop the perfect resolution ending, and I'll talk about that in a second. But we really need to, to see real people and and we I want to see companies that are vulnerable and and a lot of the storytelling we have today ends with um as I said before with really really crappy superficial resolutions uh, and and the, and the resolution um uh goes a little something like this you know if you if you buy our products uh everything will turn out okay for you and and that's really just not a a compelling ending so I'll talk more about that in a second i think the second big prediction is that I think storytelling has to have a social component. It has to have a social change component. And I think here's what's happening. We're at a really interesting period of time in that you know, we, we've got tr- trust issues. And I've got, I've got friends who are authors who've written a lot about trust. I've, we've got that force happening because there's not a lot of trust. But we demand transparency today, and we demand authenticity. And then we have the rise of millennials um, wielding influence um, and, and, and currency and spending power. And what you're seeing is companies are having to have a story that's bigger than themselves. We've always known that, but I think millennials are demanding it. Millennials have a choice, and they're very vocal about it. They want businesses to care about social change and about society and really understand that social responsibility isn't just a you know CSR initiative somewhere hidden in the company. It's about doing something bigger than yourself as an organization and and and, and caring about your whole community and the environment in which you live in. So millennials really want to do business with companies that that support causes bigger themselves, and they make choices according to that. And I I think we're seeing that. You know, I I look at Tom's shoes, and I've talked about Tom's shoes on on my show. I'm such a huge fan. Um, Warby Parker, um, they do something similar with their glasses, you know, buy one, give one away um, to people in need. Um, the Humane Society. Humane Society has, you know, cares about. Uh, it's not just about rescuing animals. It's about um, giving everybody a second chance. I mean, animals, just like people, deserve redemption. And you know, when you stand for something bigger than yourself, and you help, you have a, you ha- you understand that it's a community. 
um, you you stand you stand apart from your competition. And I could go on. You know, companies like Patagonia who care about the environment. That is, if you believe in the environment and you you love being outdoors and you believe in high end outdoor gear, but you also think that a part of giving back is is uh, sustainability and environmental causes. They do a great job of weaving that into who they are and what they stand for. So you're going to have to have to think about that. I think every company does need to think about it. You don't operate in an isolated environment. Look at the forces. If we looked kind of Michael, I'm invoking Michael Porter here. If we look at all the forces that are acting upon your your company today, you can't ignore the social component and the social change. And I don't mean social media. I mean existing in an ecosystem of society and social change. There are forces that are forcing companies to be more open and to be more transparent and to stand for something bigger. So I really do believe that that's a big thing that's going to happen, and it's something that you should be thinking of if you haven't already. Hopefully your company has, because in your mission statement, you do stand for something bigger. But I also have met companies that that don't, and I think they're having to recognize now that it's not just enough to to understand how we help customers make money and save money. We've got to go beyond the economic motive because now customers have a choice, and it's not just about saving money and making money. It's about how does that company operate in a social ecosystem and care about its environment. This is really, really important, and millennials are making those choices. So uh, I think it would be, you know, wise for any company out there, regardless of size, to understand that that's a really big issue. All right. The third one I want to talk about is the corporate veil. Boy, the corporate veil has to come down, and, and it has to come down and give way to a human frame. Well, what do I mean by that? Um, um, kind of going back to the storytelling light, I think part of the problem with a lot of storytelling, business storytelling, is that it's the company did this, the company did that. Well, you can't hug a company. You can't give high fives to a company. Companies aren't protagonists. Companies have resources. They're big conglomerates. And sometimes they're small companies, but when we say company, we think impersonal, even if it's just a small company and not a, not a big multinational corporation. You can't hug or high-five a, a company. And so a lot of great storytelling needs to be anchored in a human frame. And that means through the lens of an employee who's a great storyteller, through the lens of a customer who's done something extraordinary because they used our products and services and they took it to this extreme and made some incredible leaps and bounds to help other people. How did our client help their clients? That's really a great litmus test for for human frame. Again, our employees anchor it through you know um, through through a human face, and that's really what we're talking about. Or maybe it's a dedicated partner of the company, and what they've done that's extraordinary. And any any of those things. The only requirement is is the only warm and fuzzy through a protagonist lens has to be a human being. So. You want to get personal, and I think storytelling has to get a lot more personal. It has to drop the, the corporate veil. Um, it's got to anchor it through something meaningful. We identify with the struggles of other human beings. So when we talk about conflict and we look at a narrative arc, I don't really care about a company. A company had struggles. Okay, that's nice, but 
can we articulate those struggles through the lens of, of, of people and the impact it had on people? Because people have challenges. Yes, companies have challenges. But people have challenges. Your customers have challenges. And they're trying to identify and see themselves in that story. So it's okay to have some company stories that are at that company level. You just can't have all of them at that company level. So I think we're going to see that move continue, that march towards personalization and, and, and through through a, a human frame. I think it's necessary. I think it's a long time coming. I say that to all my clients. I say it to to on my podcast. I say it on my on my blog and in my video series, the Story DNA series. And you know, it's just something that I think um, is is due, and it's it's coming. So, um, all right. Enough about that. We're gonna we're gonna talk more about that at a later time. I could I could go on because I feel so passionately about each one of these. And this is one that's related to the corporate veil coming down. It's really all these are re- interrelated. And and I think that that fourth big big change and prediction is storytelling has to continue to become decentralized both inside and outside the organization. So, what do I mean by that? Well, I think great storytelling is the purview of every employee. It really is. Stewardship rests with everybody. Now, it is the executive suite's job to keep the fire lit. I think a good leader keeps that fire lit in, in, in his or her employees so that everybody feels that they have a vested interest and ownership in that story. That's the job of, of a great leader. However, the, the story is co-owned by the employees and the customers. They all own a part of that story. And I think we really need to, to, to see continued um, a continued march towards decentralization. And we're already seeing it, but not very quickly in business storytelling. We see it much more in sort of the consumer space. But we need to we need to keep decentralizing it because the best storytellers are, again, human beings, and they're often not in the C-suite the employees that are closest to the customer, your frontline customer service people, your frontline marketing people, your frontline salespeople who are talking to customers every day and hearing what customers want and need us to do better. So those are the stories and the storytellers internally that we need to be listening to because their voices matter and they're talking about things that are really important and they're the ones closest to to our customers. So we've, we've got to listen. We've just got to. So there's a lot of ways that we can do that. Um, you know, every year Edelman does their trust barometer, and it's not a big surprise that every year, as trust in corporations erodes, what goes up, conversely, is trust in people. So I, like most people, the average person, we trust somebody like us. And that's not a corporate mouthpiece. That's not a corporate spokesperson. That's not the PR department. It's an employee like me. So the more that we can kind of get out of the way, and, you know, it's not that marketing shouldn't have a a role in storytelling, absolutely, but it's got to decentralize. Marketing can give the rules and the guidelines for employee blogging and employee storytelling, all those different things that can help sort of frame the story. But it also needs to not be a bottleneck. It needs to allow stories to bubble up wherever those stories exist and give them a life and let them breathe rather than constricting them and and, and, and being that that that, uh, that bottleneck uh, of constriction because it acts as the center, that hub and center, um, which, you know, again, there are reasons marketing gets involved. Totally understood. 
but we also need to empower others to be great storytellers too. So really important thing. I think that's the only way you scale. It's also a scale issue. If you just think about it practically, how much content can an organization create? I don't think we're at a at a um, at a loss of, of for for content. We have too much content. We just don't have enough great content. Um, we don't have enough great content that that features great storytelling, and and that's what we need to be thinking about. So, I think it really is, and I think that there are there. Are cases to be made for how it can actually shape the business and and improve uh, return and um, lifetime uh, value of, of customers if we think about it that way. I know it did for IBM. And a great uh, reference point, if you want to hear more about that, would be um, I did a podcast and a story DNA um, on my YouTube channel, um, a story DNA uh, video series with Susan Emmerich, who uh, – was instrumental in launching the employee advocacy and employee blogging program at IBM. And she's got a lot of great uh, words of wisdom and a lot of experience and a lot of things to say about about measurement and, and how you can think about the success of a program. So check that out. All right. I think the fifth thing that I think is really important, and and it's, again, already started to happen, is that customers. Customers increasingly play a strong role in storytelling. It's akin to what we just talked about, but it's sort of going outside the company. You've got to decentralize externally. It will be okay. Our story belongs to customers, too, who make it their own. You know, it's okay that customers lead for a while. We can be improvisational about it. Somebody said that to me. You know, our story will be in good hands, and we have to trust that the the customers will also look out for it and, and evolve it, and they will. They own the story. And we've already seen a lot of really great companies do this. GoPro is one of my favorite. They, they, people are so empowered by their by their cameras. I see every day on the on the highway. I see motorcyclists. I see you know with their with their GoPro camera, people doing really amazing things, capturing their journey, their life. It's bits of their life, and GoPro goes wherever they go and just basically documents it. It's their it's their journey. It's their story. And so GoPro is their measure of their success is really um, the power of their customers' stories magnified, and I think that's really such a beautiful thing. So I'd say go, you want a great example of, of who does this well, um, and they really celebrate and champion um, uh, content through the lens of their customers. So a lot of GoPro content really isn't created by the company; it's created by their customers, and that's what's just so darn powerful about it. I really love that. Now, I'm never going to get on a motorcycle and do that, <laughs> but I celebrate, I do, the people who are spirited and wonderful enough to get on those motorcycles and document that because that's their story and that's their journey. All right. And I, I think that's how you, you, again, scale story is, you you know, get it out of the marketing department, let let your customers talk, let your employees talk, and and do it in a way that's real, that's authentic, that's meaningful. All right. The last, I think, um, uh, thing to talk about is, um, and, and we're, we're already starting to see, you know, seeds of this and, and things changing, and that is really great business storytelling has to sell the emotional, personal value and not just the rational value. So what do I mean by that? Again, I sort of alluded to this earlier. A lot of business stories, you know, are all about, oh, we help them make money and make money, and there we, we save the day. Did we really? Because if you really think about what people are motivated by, 
people are people have their own problems. They have their own aspirations. They have their own dreams. And you know, I always am reminded to look at the the you know Maslow's hierarchy of needs. What's the human aspiration behind all of these things? Nobody exists to buy your stuff. Nobody gives a crap about your stuff. And you know what? They sure as heck don't give a crap about my stuff. That's for darn sure. They have aspirations that are any human being has. They want to be better. They want to grow. They want credibility. They want visibility. They want recognition. They want respect. They want self-actualization. They want to be better. They want to be part of a community. They want belonging. All the things that you and I want because we're human beings. And when we can start to sell more of that and less the narrative mentality that says, hey, it's all about the economic benefit. I'm selling the economic benefit, the money part. Well, that's part of it, but that's a small part of it. And what the research is very clear about, and I've written about this, is that there's been studies, Google and and, uh, the Corporate Executive Board did a study a few years back, and they actually found that in the decision-making process, rational value – uh, was only you know about a third of of the whole decision making process of all the weight all the weighted factors, and that the emotional and personal the personal value um in other words, how's this product going to make me look good what's the what's the benefit to me personally um that that had twice twice the weight in the decision making process than just simply looking at the economic value of a product alone. Not surprising. Not surprising to me. Personal emotional value. What do I get out of it? How does it make me look good? What's the emotional import of this? People are doing the math and they're they're doing the calculation at such a subconscious level, but this is really important stuff because you've got to be able to tell a narrative that isn't just, again, all about the money and the financial benefit. You've got to go beyond that. How is it going to make your customer's life better? And in what way? And let's let's be very honest and transparent and um measured about it. And that means let's not exaggerate. You know, they're not we're not let's let's not, you know, sell checking accounts and uh claim that we're gonna, you know, get you know, heal people's broken hearts if they're lonely. I mean we, we have to have some <laughs> some measure responses. But but going beyond just the obvious, and that's really, really super important. Um, I think about things that I really love. One of my favorite things is field notes. They're they're just a little journaling, like, you know, um, they have these beautiful kind of like, you know, you see those moleskin kind of, you know, journals. And, um, and, and field notes, um, it's just beautiful little um, book, book journals that let you kind of take notes and take it on the road. So when you're traveling, you just bring out your journal and, you know. Um, and to me, it's it's not about the journaling. What does journaling represent? It's really about you putting down your most innermost thoughts and you're right, getting in touch with your feelings and sharing these moments and, and documenting life's moments. That's really what it's about. So go beyond kind of the obvious with your product is really the only way we're really going to really going to be able to to compete. So always 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 remember that a buyer will always look at your product and service and ask even at a subconscious level, how's this going to make my life better? Sometimes it's conscious, and sometimes they may not word it that way, but they're always thinking, how is my life going to be better off? What pain are you going to solve? And I don't mean just economic pain. Really really got to go beyond that. Got to go beyond that. Right? Because your buyer is a person, and that buyer wants to know 
Am I going to you know, look bad or am I going to look good? And which way is this going to go and how? So we start, start to understand that we also recognize that, ah, when we talk about economic benefit, you're talking about economic benefit for a company. That's important. But if I'm a B2B buyer, I need to know that it's going to make me, the person, look good too. And that rational value will answer part of that, but it doesn't completely answer the personal value that makes the human being look good. So you've got to sell the company. Here's the company benefit. Here's the personal benefit. That's a really important thing. And I think a lot of storytelling doesn't go there, but it should and it can get there. So that's those are my six predictions, I think. I would summarize it real quickly. Um, you got to go deeper. Today we're at storytelling light. We got to go deeper. Number two, you got to have a social component, social change, right? And I don't mean social media, but a social change because no company operates in a vacuum. Third, that corporate veil's got to come down. You've got to anchor your stories through the lens of a human protagonist. That way people can see themselves in that story. You can't hug or high-five a company. It just doesn't work that way. Number four, I, I, I think it's continued decentralization, right? The, the, the leaders are the keepers of the flame to, to make sure everybody knows that they're, they, they share stewardship of that story. But the best storytellers are usually outside marketing and the C-suite. And it's everybody's responsibility. Make people feel proud. Make your employees feel part of that story. Um, number five, customers have an increasingly strong role in storytelling. We already know that started started to happen. I love GoPro, I do, um, and 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 see how you might be able to benefit from some of those things. It's also the only way you're really going to be able to scale storytelling efforts because you because you can't do it alone if you're the marketing department. It just it just can't happen. Your your content will always be diluted. It will be compromised because of your ability to tell a story, you're not being close to the customer. And thirdly, you just can't scale. So uh, this is where marketing can let go and influence, but not control. And then finally, number six, personal emotional value for your buyer, not just the rational value. It's really, really important. And I think a B2B can take a lot of narrative lessons from Hollywood, screenwriting, so many great things that can be learned. You know, Robert McKee um, has, has written a lot about um, uh, narrative and, and screenwriting and, and story arcs. And I think there's a lot that B2B can still learn from that. All right, everybody. Um, this was fun. It's good to be back in the saddle. I've missed everybody. I will have this episode and some notes posted on the uh, uh, blog. It's uh, keepingithuman.com slash Kathy's dash blog. And we'll get that up there. Now, I'm going to miss the next few weeks. Um, I've got a show. My solo show launches at Stageworks in San Francisco. Next weekend, October 16th, 17th, and 18th, I will be doing my solo show in San Francisco. So I'll be out of pocket for a couple weeks. We are coming back in November consistently. So in November, we'll be back. Woohoo! <laughs> it's been fun, and I've missed everybody. You know, you can continue to send me your emails. I love seeing uh, what you want to find out more about and what topics you're interested in. You can email me at kathy at keepingithuman.com. You know the drill, everybody. I'm Kathy Close Guest. 
keeping it human. So you keep it human too. All right, everybody. We'll see you on the next uh, podcast in November. Take care.